Amanda, remember that time RBG dissented? Which time? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb. And this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about their favorite moments in history. And hey, it's Women's History Month. Yeah. Yeah, we get a whole month. My birth month is Women's History Month, which I love. That's pretty cool. I don't know what my birth month is, if it even has a thing. I'm, I wonder. Let's, Let's find out. I don't know how to search that. <laughs> I'm gonna... What is June's history month? We'll see if it has one. Well, it comes up in the Google search. I don't think it has one. I don't think it has one either. Oh, well, it's usually Pride Month, actually. Oh, that's right! It is! Anyway, <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about today is the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah! A very important figure in our history. But before we do that, um, do you want a drink update? Oh yeah, I'm drinking water. Who's surprised? Well, Amanda, I've got news for you. Today, I am drinking water. <gasps> Escandalous. Good, good old H2O. <laughs> Staying we hydrated. Got, we got um, fancy, like, branded bottles at work this week. <laughs> and by fancy, I mean, like, it's just it's just like a good water bottle. <laughs> um, like we spent a lot of time talking about how much we liked this water bottle. It's one of the ones that comes with like a tea steeper in the top. Ooh, she fancy. <laughs> we were very into it, but it's kept my water cold all day. So I'm just like still on it. Heck yeah. Okay. So I was just taking a sip. <clears throat> really needed one. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's start. To, let's talk about Ruth. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Ruth is actually born Joan Ruth Bader. On March 15th, 1933, in Brooklyn. She's She's a March baby, too! She is a March baby. She's about five... She's only five days ahead of you. Yeah. So you're pretty close. And she's the second daughter of Celia and Nathan Bader. Nathan was a Jewish immigrant from Odessa, Ukraine, which was part of the Russian Empire at the time. Mm. And Celia was born in New York to Austrian Jewish parents. Wow. Yes. Her older sister, Marilyn actually dies of meningitis at age six when Ruth is about 14 months old. That's sad. It is sad. But the family calls Ruth Kiki, which is a nickname that Marilyn had given to her for being a kicky baby. That's so cute. It's not cute. That's like makes it sadder. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when she starts going to school, there are a lot of Jones in her class. Uh, which is why her mother suggests that they start calling her Ruth. Oh. Uh, so that's why she still goes by Ruth today. Huh. That makes sense. I think it works, you know? I think yeah. RGB is more powerful. I agree. Or, I'm sorry, RBG. Yes. Oh, no. Did I say it wrong in the intro? I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. Oh, ruh shaggy. Um, so Celia, Ruth's mother, actually graduates high school at age 15. So she was really, really smart. But she couldn't go to college because the family decided to send her brother to college instead. Shock. But that is why Celia is like very, very dedicated to Ruth's education. It really wants her to be 
really well educated and um, really well prepared for like a professional life. Yeah. She wanted her to be a history teacher. Cool. Which I is, would love to do that also. Right. It's cool, but obviously didn't happen. So yeah. <laughs> so Ruth attends James Madison High School in Brooklyn. The law program there actually now has a courtroom like dedicated to her honor, which how That's could you cool. not? Yeah. How could you not? A lot of famous people went to that high school. There was a list, but I did not save it. So (laughs) I don't know them off the top of my head. Celia, Ruth's mother, actually battles cancer through most of Ruth's high school career. And she dies the day before Ruth's high school graduation. That's so sad. So sad. She's had had a lot of like... Why has her life been so sad? I know, right? And like, we're not even to adulthood yet, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if she graduated at 15, oh boy, that's rough. No, no, no. Her mom graduated at 15. Oh. (laughs) Yes. Good listening skills, Amanda. Thank you. Just kidding. I mean it. Uh, Ruth attends Cornell University, and she's a member of Alpha Epsilon Phi, which is a sorority founded in New York at Bernard College by seven Jewish women. Cool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's like a predominantly Jewish organization, but they but they aren't they don't call themselves a Jewish organization. It's just right. that most of the members are Jewish because it was founded by Jewish women. Right. So Ruth meets Martin Ginsburg at Cornell at age seventeen, and I don't know if you know this, but Martin Ginsburg was a pretty amazing man. I don't know anything about him. You should watch the notorious R- uh, rbg documentary yes it talks a lot about their relationship mm-hmm. uh they were like really really supportive of each other and you know at, at this point it's the 50s and ruth is a s- pretty strong-willed studious person who's obviously looking to have a successful career right she's pretty ambitious and you would think that any man that she would meet at that time would not be super down with that. Right. But Martin is down with it. Martin is down with it from the get. It's like never a question. Cool. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. That's awesome. He graduates Cornell in 1953 and goes to law school. Mm -hmm. Ruth graduates in 54 with a degree in government on June 23rd, and they marry a month after Ruth graduates from Cornell. So we keep talking about Cornell and literally all I can think about is, is Andy. Andy. Oh my God, same. We watch rough. The Office. <laughs> it's rough. Every time you say it, I'm like, somewhere Andy is singing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or my favorite mention of Cornell on on The Office is the one when Dwight is trying to get under Andy's skin and yes. so he applies to Cornell and then... Andy is the person who's interviewing him, but then Dwight starts evaluating him as an interviewer for Cornell. <laughs> and it's just it's like a so lot of back good. and forth. Really good. Anyway, really I just good. had I had to say it before we got too far because it's all I could think of. I know, and I can just picture. I don't know if uh, Ruth ba- Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a fan of The Office, but I kind of hope she is, and I kind of hope she laughs at every single one of those jokes harder than any of the other ones. Yes, please. It seems like she would, right? Yeah. She seems like that kind of person. Yeah, I agree. Well, at Cornell, she's a member of Phi Beta Kappa, which is, uh, for those who might not know, because we hear the phrase a lot, but nobody ever really talks about what Phi Beta Kappa actually is. It's like the oldest and most prestigious academic like i guess you would call it a fraternity but it's like 
because that's what you call those things. Yeah. Um, but it's not just for men. But it's like, you know, if, you, if you're if you a member of Phi Beta Cap, because they only accept, like, the highest level academics. So it meant she was really, really smart. Uh-huh. Um, and she was the highest ranking female student in her graduating class. Wow. I mean, she was so smart. <laughs> like, she was so smart. So... After she graduates and after they're uh, married, she and Martin actually moved to Oklahoma because he's stationed there as a reserve mm. in, the, in the Army Reserve. And he was called up to active duty. So he, he was there for a while. And so she, at this point, she's 21 and she's working for the Social Security Administration office in Oklahoma, which I didn't I, I can't remember if I had heard that somewhere before, but I didn't really know much about it. And she was demoted after she became pregnant with her first child. Oh, God, that is awful, but not surprising. But she has her her daughter, uh, her first child in 1955, Jane C. Ginsburg. After Jane is born, Martin is diagnosed with testicular cancer. Oh, so if you why thought is Ruth so sad? If you thought Ruth hadn't been through it enough, oh, buckle Ruth. up. So while he is undergoing treatment, she is going to classes and taking notes for both of them and typing up his papers and taking care of a baby and him oh because he's sick. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. She's an amazing woman. In 1956, oh, so... Martin is going to Harvard, by the way. Um, so in 1956, she also enrolls in Harvard. And she is one of nine women in a class of 500 men. Excuse me? <laughs> in the 50s? Yeah, yeah. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, not only is she basically attending classes for both her and her husband and taking care of a, a, a sick newborn, a sick husband and a newborn. She's also making the Harvard law review. <laughs> and I liked this quote that said, Martin often told people how he did not make the law review at Harvard. And Ruth did sharing how he was proud of her successes, even when they were above his own. Good man. He is a good man. Good man. Martin. Martin Ginsburg was a good man. So he graduates law school. Oh, he he recovers from testicular cancer, by the way. I assume. Yeah. He graduates from Harvard Law in 1958 and takes a job with a firm in New York. And so they move there and she transfers to Columbia. So she didn't actually graduate from Harvard. She graduated from Columbia. But this makes her the first woman to be on two major law reviews, Harvard and Columbia. That's amazing. So many firsts for her. Yeah. In 1959, she graduate, graduates uh, from Columbia Law, and she ties for the first in her class. Heck yeah, girl. Me too. Not <laughs> the women in her class. The first in her class. Yeah. Sorry, I needed more water. <clears throat> <laughs> so 1960s, she's out, you know, looking for jobs. She's having trouble finding one because, you know, she's a woman. Uh-huh. But she finally gets hired by Edmund Palmieri, who was on the U.S. District Court in New York, after pressure from one of her law professors at Columbia, <laughs> okay. who, who basically said um, that he would never recommend another Columbia law student to, to Palmieri <laughs> if he didn't hire Ginsburg, and that if she didn't perform up to the standards he expected, that he would personally find a replacement for her. <gasps> that is excellent yeah so she works for palmary for two years as a clerk 
<laughs> I love how he was fully like, this is the most qualified person I know. And if you're not going to hire her, I will never send you one of my students ever again. And not only that, but like he was so sure that she would live up to the expectations that he said, like, basically, if she doesn't, I'll do the work for you and I'll find you somebody else. Because he was that confident that like, that's not going to happen. Wow. You know what I mean? Good man. Uh, yeah, right? Like, what? what is this? This is the most positive we've ever been about men on our podcast <laughs> during oh, Women's no. History Month. <laughs> Whoops. Gotta find good allies, man. Yeah, that's so true. So I'm just gonna, like, run through some of her accomplishments. Many accomplishments. There were a lot. And this is all before she joins the Supreme Court. So 1961 to 63... She works as a research associate for the Columbia Law School Project on international procedure. So while she's doing this, she learns Swedish (sighs) to co-author a book on civil procedures in Sweden. Not only does she learn Swedish, she learns Swedish so well that she is able to co-author a book on their civil procedures. Right. Like what? That's wild. She also does research in Sweden. And while she's there, she notices that like 20 to 25% of law students are women. So here she goes. She's like all about the gender equality because she she sees it can happen. Yeah. You know, 63 to 72, she's a professor at Rutgers Law School. Um, She was told that she was going to be paid less than her male colleagues because she had a husband with a well-paying job. That made my head hurt to hear out loud. I know. She was one of fewer than 20 female law professors in the U.S. when she when she started teaching. Oh, my God. Like, it's one thing to just get paid less. It's another thing to get told explicitly that you're getting paid less because your husband can support right. you. That's garbage. But she did receive tenure from the school in 1969. Hey. That's when we went to the moon. It's when we went to the moon. Anna put in parentheses in her notes when we went to the moon, just so everybody knows. It never ends. I didn't even think twice about it. I believe I that. Just did it. I believe your hands automatically typed when we went to the moon. I couldn't help myself. It never so ends. We, went there. we have to stop talking about the year 1969. <laughs> can never talk about anything that took place in 69 unless we're talking like explicitly about the moon landing. I, you're going to have to do an episode on the moon landing. I don't know anything about the moon landing. <laughs> and I, I think that our yourself. episode about the moon landing will just be me playing that song. <laughs> just sing On it. repeat Everything for like 40 minutes. Everything you say the year 69. On repeat for 40 minutes. Do you think, oh, no. do you think Disney would give me permission to do that? That's terrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I needed more water. That's not good. Oh, well... In 1970, the year after we went to the moon, um, she co-founded the Women's Rights Law Reporter, which was the first law journal in the U.S. to focus exclusively on women's rights. That's rad. Yeah, I had never heard of it. That's really cool. I, I wonder if it's still in publication. I did not look that up. I bet. I bet. I hope. 72 to 80, she teaches at Columbia, and she's the first tenured woman there. And she also co-authored the first law school casebook there on sex discrimination yeah so if you go to columbia and you're studying sex discrimination in law you may be reading the the very work that she she wrote co-wrote that is so cool i'm still thinking about the fact that she literally learned swedish that is <laughs> it's like the 
most for the sake of doing a paper. The, That's incredible. Doing a paper. It's like the most. That's the most Ravenclaw thing I've ever heard in oh, my entire. Sure, and she is one hundred thousand percent a Ravenclaw. I believe it. We should be sorting all the people we talk about, right? We should. Why is this the first time we've well, done it's gonna this? It's going to be a thing now. She's a Ravenclaw. Catherine Johnson, yeah. in my opinion, either a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff. She, I think she was a Hufflepuff. Okay, there you go. She had that attitude of like, I'm just going to keep getting on. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. And she, and she was really good at finding things. She was a particular Like solutions for math problems. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i lost my place in my notes there were too many um 77 to 78 she spent a year as a fellow at the center for advanced study in the behavioral sciences at stanford as a fellow as a fellow i love that so we're gonna jump back in years just a little bit here in 1972 she co-founds the women's rights project at the aclu mm. so this is where she starts getting those like high profile gender discrimination cases. Right. She argues six gender discrimination cases before the Supreme Court between 73 and 76. Six in three years. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, how did that many cases come before the Supreme Court in three years? Wow. That's <laughs> a whole lot. <clears throat> but this is where she starts to really find her groove with like writing about gender discrimination uh-huh. and she starts setting precedents for how we argue it in court. And she starts using the word gender instead of sex mm. in her arguments after her secretary suggested that the word sex would distract the judges. That is interesting and probably accurate. Yes, exactly. And, but also it's like, well, we use that language now, and I have to think that her writing it that way is a big part of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So here are some of the cases and arguments from that time. Extending protections of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to women. All right. She challenged a statute uh, that made it more difficult for female service members to claim an increased housing allowance for her husband than it was for a male service member to seek the same allowance for his wife. Oh, okay. And they ruled eight to one in her favor. Wow. For that one. It's almost like it's common sense to treat people equally. (laughs) So weird. But here was what was always great about Ruth when she would argue cases was that she would not, she had a lot of male plaintiffs actually Mm -hmm. because she wanted to make the argument that sex discrimination or gender discrimination does not just go one way yeah and so she this was a, a case that was pretty i think high profile at the time she defended a widower who was denied survivor benefits under social security because at the time it only permitted widows to collect benefits while caring for their children, and it didn't allow widowers to do it. So if a man and a woman had children and the man died, his widow could collect Social Security. But if it was the other way around, he could not. Because there was the assumption that the man was making the money in the relationship, but if that's not the case, what does he do for his children? He's the primary caregiver at that point. Mm. How is he supposed to take care of his children? And I believe she won that case as far as I remember. That's good. She challenged an Oklahoma statute that set different minimum drinking ages for men and women, ah, which I did not know was a thing. I didn't either. And so this led to one of the first times that the court imposed what they called immediate scrutiny on gender discrimination laws, which meant just like looking at these little laws and like uh, scrutinizing them and determining whether they were constitutional, as far huh. as I can understand. 
Here was an interesting one. She challenged the validity that voluntary jury duty, that it wasn't, that it was voluntary for women. So jury duty used to be voluntary for women, but not for men. And Mm -hmm. she said that participation in jury duty was a citizen's vital governmental service. And there should, therefore it should not be optional for women. Yeah. For men. Yeah. I, I don't understand why it wasn't in the first place. I don't know either. It's really strange to me. That's interesting. <laughs> I like never knew that. Have you ever been called for jury duty? Nope. The first time I got called for jury duty, I was going to be in Ireland. I remember I that. To get excused from it. I remember that. And Mom was like, like well, she's we going to be out of the country for another time this summer, and I was like, well, I'm going to be working not where you want me to be in ju- <laughs> on a jury. So tough. Yeah, you're in a different county. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah, I've never been called for a jury duty, but I kind of always wanted to just to be part of the selection process because I want to see if people really do come and do like really weird things to get out of it. I'm curious about it. Like, I don't think I'd hate it because I feel like just once it would be interesting to see what it was like. But like, of course, the first time I was called was when I was going to be literally out of the country. Yeah, I mean... For me, the the biggest thing is, like, you have to get out of work, and then you get behind on your work, and you never know how long it's going to take, and then the cases, nine times out of ten, are not going to be as interesting as they are on television, so (laughs) it's like, uh, anyway. Anyway. So in 1980, Ruth is nominated on April 14th by President Jimmy Carter to sit on the D.C. Court of Appeals. So that just means, like, cases in D.C. that were going to appeal their verdicts go to this court. And she's confirmed on June 18th. Um, She serves until 1993 when her service to that court is terminated because she is being considered for nomination to the Supreme Court. Cool, 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 cool. So she's nominated by Bill Clinton on June 14th. Hey, look, he did something right. Bill Clinton. Just your ever get day guy. I don't know why. It's like the voice that John Mulaney does when he impersonates Bill Clinton. Hey, is my can favorite. I walk you home? Hey, can I hey, walk you home? Hey, can I walk you home? Yeah. Hey, can I walk you home? Listener, it's my favorite. If you have not seen John Mulaney's Bill Clinton bit, I don't know how you're still living. Oh, it's all time. Oh, man, it is. It's it is <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah, for sure. So she is the first Jewish Jewish justice. That's a tongue twister since <laughs> justice abe fortas uh resigned in 1969 how is it possible i didn't put it in the notes that time <laughs> you didn't you're welcome she's the first ever female jewish justice and the second female justice and she's the longest serving jewish justice ever wow she's got a wow. lot of things racked up that is wild yeah All at once. It's just like she like swept through. Yeah. The Senate confirmed her by a vote of 96 to (laughs) 3 on August 3rd, 1993. And she received her commission on August 5th. And she took her oath on August 10th. That's amazing. 96 to 3. Yeah. And think about it, Amanda. 93 is the year after I was born. So she has been on the Supreme Court my whole life, basically. Almost as long as you have been alive. As long as I've been alive. Yeah, longer than you've been alive. Exactly. I've never known a world. <laughs> without without RPG on the bench. It's true. Yeah. I've also never known a world without Harry Potter because the first book got published the year that I was born. Oh my god. Ayo. You just make me feel old every time we talk about <laughs> stuff like this. Every time we talk about stuff like this. Like, you don't remember dial-up internet and that's really weird to me. No, I do not. Ugh, gross. 
<laughs> Let's go back to Ruth because yes. she's a positive influence in my life. Um, <clears throat> so when she's appointed and through a lot of her early career, she's actually considered a moderate and she considered herself a moderate. And I think she kind of still does, but she's at the point now where she feels she has a, like being moderate is not a position you can really take anymore. Not currently. No, but she was considered a, a moderate. In 2006, Sandra Day O'Connor retires, and Ruth is the only woman on the Supreme Court at that point. And this is when she kind of starts to lean a little more liberal. And she starts. She kind of has to. She has to, like. She's the woman. She's the woman on yeah. the court. And she starts to read her dissents from the bench, mm-hmm. which she didn't really do previously. So now she's the most senior member of what is considered to be the liberal wing, which is just, so there's like, they do a really good illustration of it in the documentary of like how the justices fall on a scale from liberal to conservative. And she kind of fell right in the middle. But then after O'Connor retired, she kind of moved a little more to the left. And now she's the most senior member of that kind of side of the spectrum right but since she's the most senior member that means that she can assign who writes the dissents okay when they're when the liberal wing is dissenting the conservative wing Uh uh-huh um which i just found interesting yeah she administered vice president al gore's oath of office to a second term when clinton was being inaugurated the second time around by request i think of clinton if I remember correctly. Cool. And this made her the third woman to administer an inaugural oath of office. Wow. She is believed to be the first Supreme Court justice to officiate a same-sex wedding. That's rad! Yeah. On August 31st, 2013, she married the Kennedy Center president, Michael Kaiser, to John Roberts, who was a government economist. That's so cool. Yeah, and that was shortly after the Supreme Court decisions on same-sex marriage. So she said something along the lines of, like, it just needed to be normalized. Yeah. And people weren't, like, afraid to ask me to do it. So I did it. Yeah. So get it girl oh here's something interesting so the supreme court bar used to formally inscribe their certificate certificates with the phrase in the year of our lord and that used to upset some orthodox jews sure and they asked her to object to it and she did and because of that they no longer do that wow yeah i mean they have the choice now of doing that yeah well that's good because not everybody believes in god right (laughs) She's a very big opera fan. And <laughs> what a they talk fun about fact. this. I know. They talk about this in a good bit in the in the film. Uh-huh. She's actually performed and appeared well, appeared in several operas in non-speaking roles. Oh my gosh. Which she like gets a lot. It's like really fun to watch her just be like so giddy about it. Because she's so not great. a giddy person. <laughs> but you know what I mean. That is so cool. In the opera, The Daughter of the Regiment, she actually did do a speaking role for lines that she wrote herself. (laughs) They asked her to write something. If I'm going to be in it, I'm going to say it. I think they asked her to write something. That's so cool. (sighs) She's amazing. She is amazing. She has interesting hobbies. Like, (laughs) everything about her is fascinating. Yeah, we're getting into a lot of, like, facts and stuff now. Excellent. Her daughter, Jane, is a professor at Columbia Law. And their son, James, is the founder and president 
of a classical music recording company in Chicago. That is so fascinating. It is fascinating. What a diverse life all of them have. (laughs) What an interesting family to be a part of. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine having Ruth Bader Ginsburg be your mother? Or, like, even down the line, like, be your grandmother or your great-grandmother. She, like how do I mean, you... she has grandkids. Does she? Yeah. That is, huh, interesting. I just can't, that is, like... That's so cool. Ugh, the, the gravitas. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, man. I wonder if she's a very serious grandma. Um, I think that in the documentary they talked about she's she's not a super serious grandma. I, I can't really remember what they said, but they definitely talked about it. Hmm. I feel like she's kind of a fun grandma. <laughs> she's a fun grandma. How could she not be? She's like a fun-loving yeah. person. Yes. So Martin dies of complications from metastatic cancer on June 27, 2010. Um, a lot of people expected her to retire for a couple reasons. One, you know, her husband had passed away, and that's difficult. Two, she was getting older and three Obama was in office and they wanted her to retire so that he could appoint a far more liberal judge. Right. But she, but she was like, I'm not retiring. I'm Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't retire. (laughs) Why on God's green earth would I do that? There were a lot of things in the film where they talked about she, I mean, she's just a workhorse. She like would be sitting up all night, like writing dissents or reading over cases or she just never just stops. like leslie no yeah she just never stops does her work for fun oh well and just because she's she's good at it like i don't yeah. know and she's passionate about it so why wouldn't she work she on is. it okay so here are some more facts about ruth not all of them are fun but a couple of them are so following her appointment uh to the supreme court in 93 she started wearing the french robe instead of the traditional american robe and that's the one that's got the i don't know how to say it the lace it's called like a jabot or something like that that, mm-hmm. that you see on her collar right that's a french thing and that it was tradition to wear the american robe so she was obviously the first one to to do that she, why it's just because she liked it i think she really huh. likes them she's got a huge collection of them that's so um, cool. and in the movie they actually show her like showing off her collection and they're from I all over that. the world she is the most interesting I know. Person. Like, why is that a hobby she got into? I don't know, but I like it. I also love this about you and I as people. Many people would not find this to be an interesting hobby. <laughs> I find this to be an incredibly interesting I hobby. I love hearing about what people collect. I do, too. It just tells you a lot about that person and what they yeah, care about. I agree. She actually has a particular one that she wears when she's issuing her dissents. And it's black <laughs> and gold. Excellent. Or it's black with gold uh, embroidery and stones. That's and then awesome. she wears a different one when she's issuing majority opinions. Oh, I love it's that. It's crocheted yellow and cream with crystals. And it was a gift from, from her law clerks. I love that she has one for every day of the week <laughs> and a couple for special Can you imagine occasions? if she had the days of the week embroidered onto them? <gasps> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So much. The idea of that is too good. It's like good. days of the week underwear, but it's not. Her, I love that. <laughs> and actually, um, Sandra Day O'Connor started wearing them after Ginsburg did, and they cool. like would wear them together. So in 1999, Ruth is diagnosed with colon cancer. She mm. had surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, and she didn't miss a day on the bench. What an icon! She never quits. She had cancer, and she never and she, missed a day. She on had the bench. surgery, and she was undergoing treatments, <laughs> and she still didn't miss a day on the bench. Wow. 
2009, on February 5th, she underwent another surgery for pancreatic cancer. She was released from the hospital on February 13th, and she returned to the bench on the 23rd when the court went back into session. This is just another person who I will never work as oh, hard as. Oh, never. <laughs> I, I see the amount of work that she does, and I'm just like, how, how do you have the energy? I don't yeah. have the energy for my 40-hour-a-week job. How do you have the time in the day to do all of the amazing things that you do and still collect cool things? I come home at 4 p.m. and I think, I can't do anything for the rest of the day. (laughs) Such a mood. I'm used up. I work for one hour and I go, I I need a break. break. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, in fairness, I do have a mental illness. So, right. But still. September 2009, she's hospitalized for lightheadedness, and she's treated for an iron deficiency, and she's released the next day. (laughs) That's a rough one. Yeah. Iron deficiencies are a pain. Yeah. I always feel bad for women who become iron deficient when they're pregnant, because, like, it's already bad enough, and then on top of that, you're pregnant. Ugh, man. Well, and your blood better be good while you're pregnant, because you have to keep a baby alive this is a little bit of a tangent but the things that happens to women's bodies when they get pregnant my a friend of mine when she was pregnant was diabetic while she was pregnant and then when her pregnancy ended she wasn't anymore it's it's wild the second they have the baby it's just well for some people some things linger or stick around but some things like things like that it's just like Oh, and now you have a problem that many people live with every day that just developed out of nowhere because you're pregnant. And the second you have the baby, it will go away. How strange. You have this particular allergy. And now that you're not pregnant anymore, it's gone. (laughs) The human body. I can't. I can't deal with it. (laughs) November 26, 2014, she has a stent placed in her right coronary artery after she... Uh, had discomfort while exercising at the Supreme Court gym with her personal trainer. Because I don't know if you know this, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg has a personal trainer and that woman works out every day. That's amazing. Again, something else I decide I don't have time or energy for daily. (laughs) I love that the Supreme Court has a gym. Well, of course it does. Like, of course it does. But also that's the kind of thing you never think of until you hear it out loud. (laughs) Like, do you, do you imagine all those justices? Why do you think they work out in their robes? No, but like, <laughs> when you only ever see them in their robes, you do kind of think that a little bit. That's a fair point. We see them a lot when they're all just sitting in their chairs in their robes in the post yeah. picture. It's just like, it seems like such an odd assortment of people to all be at the gym together. That's very true. So November 8th, 2018... She's hospitalized for three fractured ribs when she had a fall at the Supreme Court office. And her CT scan shows cancerous nodules on her lungs. So on December 21st, she had surgery to have the nodules removed. And she missed an oral argument in January of 2019 while she was recuperating. It was the first time in 25 years that she missed an oral argument in the Supreme Court. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How old is she now? She is, I could do the math, but I'm not going to. I'm going to look it up <laughs> instead. She's 85. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she's still working. That's she's amazing. She's still working real hard. That's not retired. That is so please impressive. Please don't ever retire. Oh my God, please. Yeah, please. please uh, hold on just another like two years. That would be great. Hopefully that's all we'll need her for. Oh. Um, in, t- oh. <laughs> in 2002, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. I did not know that was a thing. That I didn't either until I read this. And I went, oh, Where up. is that? 
Where's that in the world? Um, I looked it up, but I, I forgot. I want to go to there. Oh, my God, I can't type. It is in Seneca Falls, New York. Of course. I want to go to of there. Course. Oh, that makes sense. That's incredible. I wonder who else in there. <gasps> mm, interesting. Amanda's got some research to do. <laughs> She's been awarded honorary doctor of law degrees by Willamette University, Princeton, and Harvard. So she did get an honorary degree from Harvard, even though she didn't graduate from there. Well, she deserved one. <laughs> Here is something amazing. Okay, I'm just going to read the whole quote, and I'm probably going to screw up the Latin that's in it. I'm sorry, I'm just reading it again to make sure I know what it says. Okay, <laughs> researchers at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History gave a species of praying mantis the name Lomantis Ginsburgae after Ginsburg. The name was given because the neck plate looks like the Chabot, if I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. And also, it is the first species to be identified by the female genitalia instead of being based on the male species. That is amazing. It's like the perfect storm of all of the elements you need to name something after her. So many parts of that are so very good. I know. I know. How obscure. Wonderful. Okay, and then my last little fact here to wrap things up is that a Lego minifigurine of Ginsburg is shown in a brief segment of the Lego movie, too. I saw it. (laughs) And she gave her blessing for the cameo and for the figurine to be produced as part of the toy sets. So if you, like, buy the Lego movie toy set, she's in there. That's amazing. I I want a little... Lego. Ah, oh, that's amazing. You get a little Lego RPG for your desk. I want that so bad. I wish they sold that individually. I want it. I mean, they might. They might. I saw that in the movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> okay, so should we do some Google autofill? Yeah, I feel like it's been a couple weeks. Let's okay. do that. There are only two results for is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the first is back at court, and the second is alive. Y'all. So that's good. <laughs> Yes and yes. I can't believe there's only two results. That's wild. Yeah, well, here's was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Was she in the movie? What movie? Which one? Which, which one? I understand that it's referring to a movie about her, but the question could refer to any movie ever made. Is it, though? Because it could be the Lego movie. Oh, it could be. Was Ruth Bader Ginsburg in a sorority? Yes. Yes, she was. In court today. Which which day? <laughs> Which, which day? What day? <laughs> Married, yes. Yeah. At State of the Union. Oh, uh, again, which one? <laughs> Ugh, I think it was the most recent one because she, she skipped it. Oh. She, did, she done did skip it. I would have too. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I mean, we her. almost didn't have it. Nancy Pelosi was like, nah. <laughs> that was so good. If people want to know if she was at Bush's funeral. I think so. I assume so. There's no reason for her not to have Oh, been. this is a good one. Was, Ru- oh, God. Was Ruth Bader Ginsburg pushed? <laughs> what? People think she was pushed down the stairs when she had her fall. <gasps> Who would do Drama. that? Who would do that? Trump himself? Yeah. <laughs> he would, though. Oh, I found more uh, for is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but they're all about her being still alive or her husband being still alive. Um, And the last one is, is she on Twitter? Is she? I don't think so. Does she have children, have any children, have cancer, have grandkids, have a book, 
Yes. Yes to all. Although I don't think she has cancer anymore. Have melanoma? No. Have a son? Yes. Wear a descent collar? I mean, yes, but it's not really called that. And then yet- A descent collar? And then yet again, people want to know if she has a Twitter account or an Instagram account. I would enjoy both of those. But who? when is she going to post? She's really oh, no. busy. She's really busy. True. Well, that's all I've got on uh, on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That was excellent. She's an amazing woman. There was a lot. She's so cool. There was a lot to read, and there was a lot that I was like, Ugh, it's just too long. I can't put it all in there. But I recommend the film. Two ladies, two weeks in a row, well, technically four, <laughs> who both had movies about them. Wait, technically four? So, no. No. Not two weeks in a row, but two episodes in a row. I'm a mess. Oh, you're talking about the three other people who were featured in the movie with Katherine Johnson. Mm. I thought you were saying we had done four episodes in a row about women who had movies made about them. And I was like, we definitely haven't done that. <laughs> uh, no, I just said that bad. <laughs> I just said it really bad. All right. Well, next week, Amanda's going to talk to us about something. Yeah, I think I'm going to do uh, the British women's suffrage movement. Yes. We'll see if I can narrow that down. <laughs> I will try really hard not to sing the sister suffragette song from Mary Poppins the whole time. Or do live your truth. Well, we don't have any permission from Disney to do that. So, That's and fair. I don't you want did a Disney. little bit of it. You did a little bit of it with Constance and Eva. Yeah. I don't want Disney coming for me. I don't think they would know that we exist. <laughs> I don't know. Their lawyers are really good. Oh my gosh. I heard a theory the other day that the reason that Disney made the movie frozen so that when people Googled, Disney Frozen, the movie would come up instead of theories about his head being frozen. <gasps> that is a really great Disney like conspiracy theory. There are so many Disney conspiracy theories. That's a really good one. I, I know that was wildly off topic, but just that was so That's interesting good, to me. I like it. Off topic is kind of our thing a little bit. That's so true. <laughs> We've referenced Stephen Stevens several times for... You've referenced Stephen Stevens. Okay. <laughs> You are part of I have been in conversation Uh, about even Stevens. You're on the podcast. You're part of it. (laughs) Complicit. Yeah, it's true. Complicit. So that's our episode for this week, everybody. If you want to send us questions or topics for future episodes, you can send them to rememberthatpod at gmail.com or you can tweet to us at rttpod. You can also find us on Facebook if you just search Remember That Time. You can find me across all social media at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Did it. I don't know whose turn it is. I believe it's your turn. Okay, well then, until next time. Remember that time. Remember that time.